thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, let's go Ephesians chapter four. Um, Here's where we're at. We're in this series uh, called Supernatural. It's a six-week series. And uh, we start off in week one talking about the supernatural power of God. And um, then last week, uh, Pastor Nathan uh, talked on fasting. And we talked about accessing the supernatural power of God, specifically in preparation for this fast. And I want to go after today a, a fairly, uh, it's, a, it's a heavy subject, but I think it's a, an enjoyable subject. And I think it's one that a lot of people have a, a perspective that if you got the right perspective, if we're able to just move the way that you see holiness, that you'll see it as an opportunity, a delight, uh, and that it will be your friend, like fresh air. And so um, specifically, Paul gives us in Ephesians 4.30, a a way of talking about the Holy Spirit that I want to just double click on uh, and go deep in this kind of way today. So get ready. Probably a little bit different than you're used to, but we're going to talk about grieving the Holy Spirit today. And and I think it's going to help accelerate the way that we fellowship, walk with, uh, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter four, um, four verses here. Let's go, well, actually, let's go five or six, but uh, get ready. It's right in the middle of it. I want you to get it. I'm gonna hit this phrase about not grieving the Holy Spirit all day today. In your anger, verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So there's a rule. Hey, hey, don't, don't get angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So kind of another command, another rule. And anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, all right? So don't get angry, don't steal, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And here's another one, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So now we're talking about your language. So we're not not stealing, not getting angry. So you've got kind of a lot of rules here. But here in verse 30, this this is a motivator. This is... If you get this one, I think you get the rest. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That word sealed, to me, it's like that promise. You're looking forward to that future day of redemption. And then we get a few more rules here, and rules are good. I'm gonna go after this, but it says, and get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Then one more, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you today. And God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that we would be people that do not grieve God. We pray that we would be a people that fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord Jesus, that out of the overflow of right relationship with God, that these ideas of walking in right language and right attitudes and right with other people, Lord, would be the byproduct of walking closely with you. 
I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts, that there would be actual transformation in our hearts so that there can be transformation in our lives. God, I thank you for the people of this church. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for so many that are saying, I want to go after Jesus with all my heart. I, I, I want to fast and pray. I want to jump in and be a disciple of Christ. I want to make disciples of Jesus. And I pray that you would strengthen them today. In these precious minutes that we have together, I pray, Lord God, that you would renew them. I pray that they would walk out encouraged and strengthened. So those that are sick, I pray, Lord God, that you would touch them. God, those who feel isolated, I pray that you would touch them. God, those who are ready to lead, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give them the courage to step out and lead what you've called them to. But God, may we move forward in what you have for us today. We love you and we honor you. And everybody said amen. amen. When I was a teenager, um, uh, I'll never forget the moment where I, a family in our church, um, their house began to burn and somehow word got out and I ended up um, standing next to my friend. He was one year older than me, um, a little bit taller, but uh, old, and uh, I remember standing next to him watching his house burn to the ground. And just the sheer pain and agony that, and all that accompanied with it, like the, the loss of memories and the loss of all the, I mean, clothes, but, but all the things and just the whole pain and they got to be relocated and they had to rebuild their house and just remember the whole challenge of the, the loss and the pain. And anytime that you talk about the idea of grieving, you're talking about loss. Loss is what produces the grieving. And the right way to respond to loss is grieving. And I remember their grieving. And really, for some of us, we were grieving with them as they experienced this loss. But you can't compare our grieving compared to theirs because theirs was significant. Uh, I, I've been a pastor now for, uh, since my early 20s. And I will never forget the very first funeral uh, that I officiated. There's been quite a few, but I'll never forget the family that lost a toddler. And I was in my 20s trying to walk with this family that was grieving over the loss of their toddler. And as a young pastor, just grieving with them and ultimately their grieving as they lost a, a, a toddler. And it was so painful. It was, it was a loss. And the only response to that loss was to grieve. The Holy Spirit grieves when he loses out on our obedience. So it's a wild thing to read about. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because this grieving of the Holy Spirit is what takes place when you, as a covenant Christian, you, someone who says, I want the Holy Spirit to fill me. I'm going to do life with relationship with God. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and dwell in me. Come make your residency in me. I'm a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And then I intentionally choose to walk in something that looks like anger, slander, malice, rage. It's easy for you and me to think it's just about me. I'll do what I want. And I don't see uh, the, the pain in necessarily others. Or I think they deserve what's coming to them. Or I want to, I want to have this attitude. Or I want to speak this way. And so I'll go ahead and I'll choose the way that I will respond. Or the attitude that I'll have. Or what I will or will not steal. All those kinds of things. 
And here as Paul is motivating this church in Ephesus to have right language. Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up that may benefit those who listen. No words, the right attitudes. All right, don't, I don't wanna see anger, no malice. The right, I mean, don't steal. We got all of these different kind of rules or kind of regulations or kind of behavior patterns. And right in the center is this phrase, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And right in this do not grieve the Holy Spirit is a relational motivator that if you get that, you will have, it's like the kingpin when you're bowling. You get that one and these other behaviors go down easy. Because when it's a relational motivator with the friend, the Holy Spirit, with the one who is the comforter, the Holy Spirit, God taking up residency in me and I'm in relationship with him, then instead of just the attempt to refrain from bad behavior, I have this. I care about the Holy Spirit. So I want relationship with the Holy Spirit and I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit grieves when you walk in behavior in a way that looks like sin, looks like leaving God out. And so the privilege of the Christian is to say, Okay, I want relationship, and I don't want to do the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. I think about it this way in my uh, marriage. I know the things that will grieve Renata, right? Like, I know some things that will make her sad. And let's just go light for a minute. I'll get heavy in just a minute. But let's just go light for a minute. Like, I know some of the silly things that when I do those things, it just makes her sad. I know that I'm the kind of person that when it comes to our closet, man, I'm the guy that likes to keep clothes from the past as a memory, Never throw it away. Just remember the day I wore that. I don't want to throw anything away. So Renata was shocked when I kept, I was in my 30s and I still had a shirt that said Students United of North. She said, what's this? She said, oh, that's from high school. I said, that's from high school. She said, let's throw it away. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I have such great memories from that shirt, right? And so for Renata, she wants everything to be not clean and nice and not cluttered. And I'm like, oh, but I just love the chaos, right? So she loves that. She, Renata likes to uh, be warm. I like the temperature of the car to be uh, not as warm as Renata. And so there's a little bit of opportunity for me to die to my flesh right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know those things. Uh, Renata loves to tease me about the fact that when we first, uh, the first decade of our marriage, I, every time we'd go to a restaurant uh, and I would get the bill, I would open it up like this. And I don't know why I did this. Truth be told, I think it's inherited behavior that I learned from my father. But anyway, uh, I, I, I would open up the bill like this and I would make the same phrase, or the same face, oh, like shocked. And she would be like, you act surprised. Like we're totally broke every time you open the bill. And I'm like, I do? And she's like, yeah. And then I noticed like every time I'd just be like, oh, like, and so um, I've spent a year trying to get over that. Um, I'm still working on it, but, uh, but I know some of those things that just, I know if I spend my day doing some of those things, it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult in relationship, right? Because those things inherently make her sad. I use lighthearted things, but actually when we look at this text, this word about grief is often used with adultery. It's the idea of grieving because of a loss of covenant relationship and you're in covenant relationship with the Holy Spirit and you've invited the Holy Spirit to come take up residency in you. And so this idea that Paul is saying is he's looking to the church is don't grieve the Holy Spirit, which this is not new for in a New Testament context. 
when we read in Genesis 6, 6, it's the story of, of Noah and God flooding the earth. And when you read Genesis 6, it says that God was grieved in his heart about the behavior of mankind, which this verse scares me to death. Because you look at the response in Genesis 6 of how God responds to the grieving and its judgment. So this grieving isn't new in Ephesians 4, New Testament context, you and I having the Holy Spirit living in us. Even when we read in Genesis, it's that same idea. It's God grieving in his heart based upon the behavior, the wickedness of mankind. We read about in Psalm 78, it's got this verse that talks about the grieving in God's heart based upon the Israelites in the wilderness. So it's, it's locked up in the days of Noah. We, we can read about in the days of Moses. And you and I, we get the privilege of living in 2022. We've got the opportunity to follow Jesus right now. And we've got the privilege to have the Holy Spirit dwell us. And God, who's the same yesterday, today, forever, that same grieving that took place in his heart when he saw in the days of Noah or in the days of Moses, he's paying attention to what's going on in my heart and your heart right now. And we hear that and we go, oh, no, no, David, lighten it up a little bit. That's a little too much. Listen, this is actually a motivator, a relational motivator. When, when the reality of who you are in relationship with God is so real to you that you go, actually, my choices, the, the way if I choose to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, or if I choose malice, anger, rage, unwholesome language, those choices actually make a difference in this relationship in terms of what's going on in God's heart. That actually causes you to have great dignity. That, that actually makes you go, wow. Because the enemy comes along and says, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Hey, you do you, baby. Hey, nobody else sees that rage. Hey, your grandfather was filled with rage. Your, your great-grandfather, even crazier than you. So just that's just you. Or whatever, and, and we start to go, it just affects me, or nobody else sees. So this immorality that I'm walking in in secret, nobody else sees. Or this way that I speak to the, the, my coworkers or these people that work for me in the business that I own or the students or whatever it is, and we'll work on ways why it's is my personality or this is why it's okay. But I wanna invite you to have the primary person that you talk to about it be the Holy Spirit, and there'll start to be a shift. If I just tried to think, Okay, it's okay for me to have a cluttered closet, baby. There are people out there that have cluttered closets, they're just fine, right? There's people out there that have a cold car and they're just fine. There's people out there that look at the, look at the server and go, mm, this costs a little too much. And I could fight over every little detail. But if my motivator is relationship with Renata, it changes everything. And so when your relationship is with the Holy Spirit, then you'll stop looking at a checklist of rules, behaviors, and laws to do the Christian life. And you'll say, I am in covenant relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I love the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is taking a presence inside of me, and I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And so I want what's in God's heart to be in my heart. And so Holy Spirit grieving, the Holy Spirit actually caring about your choices actually becomes this opportunity for you to do in relationship. Okay. I care. And it's amazing for, it's, it's amazing to think here we are and we're the people of God. And to think that God who is creator and King and is, I mean, you go omnipotent, you go omniscient, you go big God. And yet my relationship with God 
matters to him. Big God, small me, right? I remember when my children uh, were super little and I remember moments where I could be seated in my office and remember the harsh conversation or something that was off with a toddler being hurt or a toddler doing something wrong and a little tiny toddler affecting my heart while I'm sitting 2 p.m. at the office. Magnify that times 10,000 and you, just little you, your relationship with God, your attitudes, your behavior, it matters to God. And, and, and actually when that reality locks in, then you start to have a posture in your heart towards not, not just rule keeping checks and balances on behavior, but no, God, I, I, I want to be close to you and I don't want to grieve the heart of God. I think we get to the place where then we say, okay, how do we get to where we care? Like what things can I do to have this be this verse, this Ephesians 4.30 idea to where it actually lives inside of me is not just kind of a mental note about the Christian life, but it's a part of my, my dialogue. It's a part of my day-to-day life. I think one thing is to get really locked into scripture where you read about what God is like, the personality of God, and even to be more specific, the personality of the Holy Spirit. So study the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. When you study the Holy Spirit, there's lots of different Sometimes I'll I'll be around people and they'll talk about the Holy Spirit in kind of um, an it type way. But Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as a he. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he. So think personality. So sometimes you think, well, maybe it's a dove. No, he. (laughs) He. So yes, there's the moment, Matthew 3, baptism moment. They call it the Trinitarian moment where the Father, Son, Holy Spirit all show up on the scene. Father audibly says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus is baptized. He's there on the scene. Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, but the phrase is like a dove. So it's this picture of purity. It's this picture of peacefulness, but the Holy Spirit, a he, like a dove. Or we can look at moments where we read that the Holy Spirit acts like, it's like Holy Spirit, like a wind. I mean, Jesus says that in John 3. He, you, you, see, you see his movement. You see him at work. You can't necessarily see him, but you see him at work. And Jesus talks that way when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit like the wind. So you start to add these together where you go, okay, he, he is like wind and he is like a dove. And it's your privilege to search out what the personality of the Holy Spirit is like, what God is like. Instead of just kind of trying to just trap an image and say, that's what he is like. You lock in with, let's look at all the scriptural texts and let's go after. What's he like? He's like oil in the Old Testament. Actually, we read in Acts 2, he's like fire. So he's the purifier. The Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2. So he, the Holy Spirit, more than an image, but all of these images just point to what the Holy Spirit is like. And so a weightiness, instead of just, uh, you know, here's what I should do. Just, I, I never forget the conversation with a man where he said, we're, we're talking about the Christian life and I'm talking about the Christian life as the privilege of following Jesus where I've kind of had this opportunity to leave everything to follow him. I was in high school and he looks at me and he starts talking in this obligatory way of what he ought to do. And I recognized in the moment, we looked at following Jesus in two very different ways. 
And if you look at holiness as like, I don't want to do those things. I want to let unwholesome words come out of my mouth because after all, this is the way I am. Blah, blah, blah. And I want to be able to be angry and I want to do these things, but I have to do the God thing. So I guess I'll just, listen, that will be a death blow and you'll call holiness legalism. But if you're entering into a relationship and right at the center of all the things that you're trying to carry out is this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that has empowered you, strengthened you, and you've got a story to tell about his work in your heart. Then that relational motivator will cause you to just kind of just pick up some of these, wow, I got the right attitude and I spoke well and I said, and you'll watch God at work supernaturally in your life. So I think, number one, you get it in the scriptures, but then number two, remember what God has done. Remember your story. Remember your testimony. So think through, what has the Holy Spirit done in my life? So I'm going to go personal for a moment. If you've been around Radiant very long, you know that we sing a whole lot of songs about the Father heart of God, and this is my homecoming, and you've been so good. I love all those songs because for me, that's my. I just love that storyline. Paul hits it in Romans 8. And he says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you, brought about your adoption to sonship. I just love that idea. I was an orphan. I was isolated. I was on my own. And by him we cry, Abba, or Father. The Spirit capital S, the Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So that's that Abba cry, that father heart that goes, that grows inside of you. Oh, you are the father. And you take me into this relationship and Holy Spirit's at work inside of me and your Holy Spirit connected with me. Wow. I was an orphan and you adopted me. If you, if when you hear me say that you feel like, I don't know. That's my story. I don't know that I connect with that. It's possible that you've allowed some of the things in your life to grieve the Holy Spirit. And there's a distance. But as you fellowship, get close and just say, I want to walk closer and closer with you, Holy Spirit. Then you, can, you get to where that, that cry that I was an orphan and you adopted me soars in your heart. So for me, I go, that's my story. I was a kid with no identity. I hated myself, hated my life. And you, God, you redeemed me and you saved me. Fill me with the supernatural power of God. And all of a sudden, life took on new meeting. I was adopted. Not only that, but you go from, look at Paul's statement here in 1 Corinthians 6. six do, not, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? I love that. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to say, first one, I'm going to go alone to adopted. Second one, I'm going to say temporal to temple. So I used to just live for me, whatever, whatever craved the longings of my flesh, but not anymore. No, no, no. Now I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor your God with your body. Whoa. All right. So I was adopted. Holy Spirit came and lived inside of me. 
So I went from alone to adopted, and now I go from temporal to temple. Wow, this Holy Spirit thing is significant and real. This is my story. And then you go add one more. This is a fun one because Paul talks this way. And I'm telling you, this is what this, this last one, this, will, this is what will attract broken people. When broken people see the people of God with this last one. And it's, it's when you go from being, I, I'm just saying, sad to singing. Listen to the way Paul talks. It's in the next chapter, but he says this. He talks about the Holy Spirit again. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. Do not overindulge. Don't overdo wine, which is juxtaposed with, but, and he says, get drunk on. Welcome to church, but do get drunk on what? The Holy Spirit. What is, what is it that you can go as much as you can? I mean, if it's a buffet, go all day. It, like, wh what is it? It's the Holy Spirit. And I know some of you go, I can't go full bore on the Holy Spirit. I was at some small group in the early 90s where there was a Looney Tune there, and I just, so I'm gonna react to them, and I'm gonna not go full bore on the Holy Spirit. Forget about it. Don't form your biblical convictions out of the experience of weirdos. Form your biblical conviction based upon the Word of God. Where you go, this is what I read. So Paul said it. So that doesn't mean that you, that, that means you just, I want the full expression of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through me. I, 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 you, don't, you don't have time. You only have a few decades on the planet. You don't have time to live your Christian life on a reaction of somebody else. No, take it, read it. Say, Holy Spirit, I want the fullness of what you have for me. And you watch. You become someone with supernatural joy. Everybody wants to be around people with supernatural joy. I do. I, I get around people with supernatural joy and I'm just like, ah, mentor me. Right? You've heard me tell stories for the last five years about Dick Eastman, right? Because he was 77 and he was different than every other 77 year old I knew. Every other 77 year old I knew, they were, not all, but most, were just filled with, I just want another cruise. I want to go out to my cabin. I want to, I, I just, I, I've only got this little window of life left and I got to have as much pleasure on the planet as I can. And then there's Dick Eastman. And he's singing songs. He's whistling. He's, he's spending all of his money trying to be with God and help people come to know Jesus. And he's mentoring some crazy 35-year-old. You know, like, and I'm like, oh, I want to be like you, right? Here's the deal. When you get some of that, when you go, oh, man, I see, I see the Holy Spirit in that person. There's something supernatural. Why? Why? Why are you different? It's, I'm telling you, it's they, are, they, are, they can't get enough of... God, Holy Spirit at work inside of me, sing. I mean, for me, I, this was, Ephesians 5 was like, a, it was a, um, a hallmark text for me when I was in college. Because uh, when I was at the University of Oklahoma, I just watched so many people that love drunkenness. I know I shouldn't say that. Should I say that? I don't know if it's weird to say that. They love drunkenness. And so for me, this verse was like my life verse. <laughs> don't get drunk on wine, but get drunk on the Holy Ghost. I mean, like I was like, God, I just need you. And I just want to invite you, you live in a culture that is so broken and so hurting that they'll look for anything. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit giving you supernatural song in the pandemic. 
supernatural song in the pain. That radiance is what causes a, a whole community to go, what is it about you? What is it? I'm telling you, I just, I, I just look at more than, uh, passing out tracks might've been what you did in the 1940s. But right now, what our culture needs is the people of God filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with a radiant joy and singing in the midst of no matter the circumstance. I'll tell you, if we, if we lock in with that, if, if we become that, if you and I become the spirit-filled church where people get around you and you've got a supernatural song alive inside of you, whew. So the third one, I would say, is not just the word of God, not just your testimony, but add to this, talk to the Holy Spirit. Like, like a real conversation with a person. Like Paul says about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He says, that's Paul's language, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Or the message says, have an intimate friendship with God, fellowshipping this intimate friendship with God. And if you, if you and I start to study the word of God, and then, I mean, remember who we are. Remember what God has done. Remember what the Holy Spirit means to us. And then just dialogue through the day. Good morning, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way. Right now, I am tempted to allow an unwholesome word come out of my mouth, but I will blank, I will, not blank, I will, I will, uh, I will speak joy, I will speak life. I'm in the middle of this, I'm tempted to become angry because this person wronged me and I got a legitimate reason to jump on there and tell them what I think about them. I got a legitimate reason to have malice or evil no, 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 but pull back. All right, I'm telling you, this is, and I know I'm going here. It's not just your opportunity to enjoy the Christian life. It's your opportunity to help the broken people who actually don't know anything different than to respond that way. Holy Spirit has not taken up residence in them. You, my friend, are living a supernatural life so we get the privilege of responding with a different spirit, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit alive at work inside of us. So all of these, all of these responsibilities, all of these rules, all of these regulations, and you hear people say, oh, I just can't do all the rules of Christianity. It's just too much. Flip it on its head. And you see it as this relationship with a holy God the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the relational motivator is not keep the rules to be accepted. The relational motivator is, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, I, there are a whole lot of things in my life and in my marriage where it's like just the nature of the relationship. I hold Renata in such high esteem that I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I I hold her in esteem. You hold the Holy Spirit in high esteem. You won't hold the Holy Spirit in high esteem if you don't study the word of God. You'll just be like, I don't know. It's a little vague and I don't know. It's veggie tales is a ghost. I'm not sure, right? But if you, if, you, if you study the word of God and if on your tongue is God at work, so you gather your kids around at night and you say, this is what God is doing. So you talk with your wife on the phone. You say, this is what God is doing. So in the text thread where everybody else is just talking about all the news and all the sports, you're talking about what God is doing. 
This is what the Holy, and you'll start to see, hey, not just talk about, about God, but then talk to God. You talk to the Holy Spirit and you'll watch the reverence in your heart. Just like in marriage, this is true, right? If I ignore Renata all day long, it says something to her and she takes up less space in my heart. There's a, it's, it's, the relationship's more and more difficult. But if we're like, what's up, baby? She was texting me between services. Man, you, so, you look so good today. Even if I don't look good today, she's telling me, you look good today, right? You know what I'm saying? We're dialoguing all the time. Listen, when you dialogue with the Holy Spirit, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, have weightiness of what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit. Have in your memory, you can testify, I was an orphan and you adopted me. I was broken. You put a song in my heart. I was in despair. The de- it's like Princess Bride, the depths of despair. <laughs> you know, like I was in despair and you put a song in my heart. You helped me. That's, that's where I go. I was, I know the season of my life. I hated life. I hated it. And God put a soul in my heart. <sighs> okay, supernatural. Change of circumstance. No, the circumstances stayed the exact same. But the Spirit of God did something different. Whew. Now everything's different. I'll close with this. Um, my sister, Deborah, she's a great preacher. Um, I'm eight minutes wiser and more mature than her. We're triplets. And um, she tells the story, and I asked her if I could tell it. But she tells the story about how um, when we were 16, my parents had the challenging scenario of suddenly having three 16-year-olds all at the same moment. So we all started driving in the same moment. We were all allowed to date. We all had, you know, that whole dynamic. And... um, and she tells a story about how she kept bumping up against some of the rules. So she would get home too late and break curfew. She would, we didn't have texting back then, so she would take the corded phone that was yellow in the kitchen and she would talk too long. And there was just different rules, school dances, and she just kept bumping up against the rules. And she started to have this frustration, like, I just can't do it. I'm not sure I'm good enough, I can be a Perkins kid. And she tells the story about one night, coming home and accidentally eavesdropping in on a conversation between my parents. So Hal and Debbie are having a conversation about Deborah's shortcomings. But the conversation is not anger. The conversation is not, she just can't do this and she just can't get this right. And she just, uh, uh. but instead she tells the story about just hearing my dad just weep as he communicates to my mom how he wants what's best for her, how he doesn't want any guy to hurt her, how he wants her to remain close to God all through her teen years and her young adult years, how there's all these potential pitfalls and dangers, how he loves her so much, and he's just sobbing. So she tells the story of driving to the mall. She worked at the limited and she's driving to the limited in 1993 and she said she had a flip a change something switched in her heart where she recognized those rules are birthed from my dad's delight in me love for me and suddenly suddenly the motive the rules were not a checklist but 
oh, I want to keep those because I can feel dad's heart. And, and, and hearing, eavesdropping in on the grieving father, eavesdropping in on the weeping of someone that loved her dearly is what flipped it. And then behavior changed because she saw the heart of her father. Here's what I want to encourage you. I think the enemy wants to get you into a checklist. Hey, too hard. You can't, you can't be, you, you can't be one of God's kids. You just can't, you can't keep the rules. There you are. Listen to that preacher. He's talking about anger and you do all those things. You slander all the time. And I just never measure up. But when you get the grieving of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit that wants to supernaturally change you, the seal for your future. I mean, God at work inside of you. Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts, Romans 5. And you flip the angle, then you'll have the motivation to say, you know what? I may fall short, but the aim of my heart is fellowshipping, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. The aim of my heart is pleasing the Holy Spirit instead of grieving the Holy Spirit. And instead of it being a sarcastic term where we mock the things of God, we actually believe in our bones. I want to live this day without grieving the Holy Spirit. I want to live this day and I want to live in such a way that my, my heart attitudes my heartbeat and my actual external behaviors. Please, God. Will you bow your heads with me? We just invite the Holy Spirit to take a presidency in me. God, I want to live the supernatural life. the Holy Spirit to help you see the heart of God today and to care. Would you ask the Holy Spirit, just show me one, one way. What's one way that grieves your heart? My anger, the way I speak to my children, theft, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, would you do a supernatural work in our church? I ask, Lord, that we would be so close. That we would fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Love the word of God. Live in such proximity of nearness. Lord, that the overflow is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness. That we look like Christ in a broken world. And I pray for supernatural strength, transformation, empowerment for Radiant. Bless them today. Strengthen them. Maybe you're in the room today and you want to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're online and you've been far from God 
And when I talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, you go, oh, I'm so far. But today, because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you have the privilege to draw near if you want to. Today, if you want to begin a journey as a follower of Jesus, I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I surrender. You can have my life. Holy Spirit, come dwell in me and make me a new person. I give you my life. In Jesus' name.